Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to episode 51 uh, of Future of XYZ. Hard to believe it's been a year and that we're right up against Thanksgiving. And with us today, talking about something very important to the holiday season is Lovewit Lily uh, Germa of Skift. And Lily, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so excited because travel and tourism is something I, that has really shaped who I am and how I live my life. Um, and as we come up on the holiday season, you know, kind of two years before the last time we had a normal holiday season, I think it's really material to talk about the future of tourism, uh, something you know a lot about, obviously, as the global tourism reporter at Skift. Um, so let's just dive into it a little bit before we talk a little bit about how you got to where you are and, and where okay. the future is going. But it is the holiday season. Two years ago in 2019, we had a normal season. Then we had like COVID pandemic holidays. Where are we now versus where we were last year or pre-pandemic in terms of tourism? So Lisa, it's actually incredible to see just how far we've come since the pandemic hit. You know, it's it's been so much happening in the last um, almost two years, actually, since the pandemic hit in March 2020. But where we are now is, well, we have vaccines. You know, that was a game changer for the tourism industry. So compared to, say, last summer, um, I mean, we're talking a completely different scenario now where a lot more people are out there traveling, at least, you know, in the U.S., Europe, which, um, you know, have been ahead of the of the vaccine distributions, as well as other parts, such as, you know, Israel and the Middle East and parts of South America. So um, people are, are back on the road again, and um, we're not seeing that sort of, you know, excitement to be out again, waning, um, you know, I think like even in September in the U.S., even though the Delta variant hit, people were still, I think almost 50% of Americans were out there. So on the road. Um, of course, it's been a lot more, you know, backyard tourism than international still. So I think for the holidays, we're going to see a lot more people um, traveling. And, you know, also, they just approved um, the Pfizer vaccines for kids, you know, between um, five and 12, 11, I think. Yeah. yeah, five and 11 year olds. Um, and so that's, that's really opening the door for families. It's not going to be all at once, but at least, you know, by Thanksgiving, we'll see a lot more sort of family reunions, family trips. Yeah. And Thanksgiving is such an American holiday, but it is typically historically the one where people are, are traveling and certainly on the road more than any other. What do we anticipate, you know, as families get back together, what, what are the trends kind of in tourism this Thanksgiving season? Then I want to talk about kind of Christmas and beyond. So I think that the trends are definitely going to be, um, you know, a lot of sort of more leaning towards vac you know, everyone being vaccinated, you know, a meeting at, at the table. I know that there's still issues with that, as you know, in the US, we still have 
vaccine resistance. So I think that there will be family reunions. We'll see people who are definitely eager and ready to, to meet. And then we'll see another bunch who are perhaps not so eager to have a whole lot of people indoors um, and might be instead heading outdoors, you know, where, wherever possible, depending on where they live, obviously, because of the weather. But um, um, and then in terms of uh, traveling overseas, I think that the Caribbean region is certainly going to see um, an ongoing increase of people, you know, looking for that beach, sand, sea, tropical weather, places like Florida. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because uh, folks who are traveling from the US, for example, are there's a significant percentage who look for destinations that have low restrictions, yeah. you know. Yeah. They have safety protocols in place, but they don't have a million requirements to get in because no one, no one wants to deal with that headache anymore. Um, so, you know, countries like where I am actually presently in Dominican Republic are going to be very well placed for that. Um, and of course, there's the issue of vaccine equity, but I know we'll talk about that later, probably. Yeah, because uh, to your point, the vaccine has actually been the catalyst that allows tourism to recommence. And, you know, we, we, we will talk about that kind of the destinations and then the unequal distribution or the, you know, lack of equity, if you will, in, in distribution between the developed and developing worlds. I do think it's interesting as we get to the holidays and I'm going to take my own first international trip and I'm so oh. excited about it. I'm going to Europe um, nice. where I usually spend quite a bit of time and, and it's been two years, you know, we'll, we'll have been over two years and that is so meaningful to be able to reconnect with friends and family. And, you know, we've all been so disconnected if you have this international life. And I know Lily, I mean, you started yes. your career as a corporate attorney. And then at some point you were like, no, you know, travel and tourism is my jam and I'm going to become a travel journalist. And you've been published in all the major publications and before even coming on, you know, as, as global head of tourism at Skift. I mean, you're multicultural, you've lived all over the place. I mean, you've traveled all over the place even further. I mean, what do you think is the most exciting thing that you foresee in terms of the trends in tourism that are going to, you know, that were happening before COVID perhaps, but are even even going to accelerate coming out? That's such a great question, Lisa. What I'm most excited about, and I have to say, you hit the, hell, the nail on the head there when you said that it was even happening before COVID, and, and it was the sort of wave towards sustainable tourism, you know, traveling more consciously, um, traveling in a way that your, you know, your dollars and your, and, and your, and your trips go to benefit, you know, local communities. Um, that was out there before, but I think that since the pandemic, certainly in the last year, um, more and more tourism companies have been stepping up and saying, you know, we want to rebuild um, in a different way. We want, we, we don't want to have to be part of this, you know, um, wasteful, super abundant kind of tourism industry that, you know, tramples on the places that they visit and how do we change that? And that conversation has been going and I'm very, very excited to see that it's, it's remained steady among, you know, a certain group of, of companies, I'll say about maybe 300 companies, which actually also this week, just yesterday, uh, came together and, um, and decided to take climate action, um, finally, you know, and are speaking in one voice, and hopefully more will sign on. But I think that there's this collective realization that um, things just can't go back to the way they were. We need to be more, you know, live in, on a planet that is that is obviously um, self-destructing because of, of human behavior. And we know we have scientific data and also communities. It's just been um, 
you know, like I said, trampled on, you know, and tourism benefits haven't been going to, um, have been benefiting governments and have been benefiting, um, you know, stakeholders, but not the actual people who are providing experiences. So I think that that, that shift that's happening is, is here to stay. More and more travelers are, are asking the right questions, want to know, you know, how they're impacting uh, on their trips, have fun, but at the same time, do it in a way that isn't, um, negatively impacting places that they they stay in. Absolutely. And and I think something again when given both of our own backgrounds, you know, I think we're predisposed to assume that many people travel like we do, which is like really trying to get embedded if you will into the local culture in an authentic and and connective way, so much more micro, you know, experiences than the yes. macro. Do you see yes. that? Absolutely. I do see happening that with some companies, you know, um, my colleague Rashad covers tour companies, but we have seen um, them replacing, let's say short haul flights with walking and biking itineraries. Um, we're seeing um, the smaller um, ship, smaller cruise experiences growing, becoming more popular, more niche. Um, we're seeing also partnerships with, um, you know, community-based tourism, which really just means that you're you're going to a place and the host community is, is offering the service, selling the service. And so we're seeing more companies partnering with them or providing them with training and capacitating. And so um, I think that there's there are a lot more options today for consumers than there, there used to be. It's still not mainstream, um, but I think that um, that we're getting there. Yeah. Which, which is so exciting, actually, when you think about, you know, when you think about it. And I think with the rise of technology, to some degree, people have access to language apps and at least can, can, can make headway a little bit differently. You can also get some more research done. But it's interesting. Yeah. I think about my own tourism experience. And you have lots of players who can create these bespoke experiences if you have that money or desire or a specialized interest. But one thing I've noticed in my own travel experience, again, pre-COVID, is because yes. of the internet that lives in our pockets through our telephones, I find that I actually do less research than more. And I find myself, you know, um, because you know that on the ground, you can just pull up a map and you can find your way. You don't need to know whether that's local tourism yeah. or whether that's very far afield. Is that a trend that we're also seeing, which is people are more like, I want to say ambulatory. They're just kind of cruising and less structured. Or do you think more people are using it, you know, to to really dive deep and be like, I want this, you know, restaurant on this day and this experience. You know, I I, I wish that was more of the trend of of being able to just you know go and show up and and figure it out. I the percentage of people doing that is very small. At least if we're talking about Americans. Um, I think that especially given the current, um, you know, the, the current uncertainties that we're seeing still because of COVID, yeah. you know, the million restrictions, we still have a lot of restrictions to, to go to a place. Um, and, um, and so I think that, and changing conditions, like all the time, you never know, you know, which country is suddenly going to decide to shut their borders again. Maybe that won't happen anymore, but at least there will be more, potentially more, um, curfews you know um, as cases are going up so basically I, I think that um, people are actually a lot more choosy uh, right now and and conscientious of what of what decisions they're making in terms of like should I go here or there and what's open what's not and I think yeah. that there's a lot more planning 
uh, required now. And that's why I think also more people, um, well, statistics show that more, more and more, even younger generations are resorting to travel advisors at the moment. So maybe when that wave passes, but I yeah. think that social media has just dominated dominated uh, travel and, 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 and lives so much that um, I don't see that sort of disappearing <laughs> anytime soon. They might avoid the influencer type of post, you know, but they, um, but folks definitely look online to see, I wonder what it's like there right now. Yes. And well, that and immediacy. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, there is obviously because of the restrictions, because of COVID, it's a little different. Um, it, or a lot different, obviously, than before. We need to know those things ahead of time. Yes. What are some of the other trends that we're seeing that you think are going to stick around? I mean, I think about like, I mean, obviously during COVID, people, you know, drove places more than they flew or trained. You know, do we think that this is going to stay or do you think people are just really like, even people who didn't before are chomping at the bit to get on a plane and go somewhere, you know, quote unquote exotic, like much further afield? Not yet. I think that that definitely the driving trend is going to continue. The backyard tourism trend is going to continue for a little while longer, um, particularly because of these ongoing sort of, you know, patchwork restrictions um, in different regions. So I think that people are still going to stick to their own sort of, you know, uh, countries or areas in Europe. They're going to keep traveling around Europe. There will be a small percentage of national. I think the latest uh, percentage was something like um, 3% or th maybe just under 4% of Americans who are, who are now going overseas, which is considerably low still, if you think That's about wild. it. That's wild. Yeah, and another other, um, other trends, you know, is, is continuing to go into national parks and, you know, rural areas and, um, um, and seeking out the beachside and the, just the outdoors. There's this, this, this huge, huge demand still for being in nature and connecting and, and just being away from anything that is, you know, that keeps you confined. Um, and then other trends, obviously VFR, which is visiting friends and family, um, I think will dominate leisure for quite some time to come, um, which makes sense. People it's can separate what you said. Effect, I mean, right? you know, it's the catch up time. Yeah, it's catch up time. And at the same time, I think going into 2022, some of that you know, international pent-up demand is going to keep unfolding and people are going to want to do more and bigger and greater things. Um, I think that wellness is going to be huge, wellness travel. I want to, I want to um, talk about that for a second because I think, you know, we, you, you're talking about being outdoors, right? Like there's this uh, huge movement towards the outdoors. There's an aware, growing awareness of like, we won't call it eco-tourism, but like sustainable mm -hmm. tourism, right? And doing a little yeah. less harm. And then there's this wellness, like this confluence of things, right, that actually suggest the opposite of what is happening to our planet, which is massive climate change and the negative impacts. And, and obviously also the wealth inequality that is, you know, by country as well as by, you know, community. What's so interesting to me about what you're saying about this confluence, and I'm, I'm putting them together, yeah. is that people are more aware. And so when you go traveling, presumably, if this is a trend, more people are asking the right questions. They want to be healthy. They want to do things outdoors. How is that impacting, you know, kind of the call to action, if you will, when you go to a place? I mean, yes, the tourist, tourism industry is adapting, but are governments adapting to this? Like, what, what else comes from it, do you think? Yeah, I think that, um, well, depending which region we're talking about, right? So, um, I think that certainly in, in, in areas that are super tourism dependent, like the Caribbean, 
um, there's a tendency to sort of, um, you know, you'll, you'll have a pocket of, 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 of tourism businesses that will want to move towards that whole sustainability and which it really is, is the future, you know, climate change awareness and all of that. But I think that that the challenge will be governments because at the end of the day, governments are looking at their at, at their coffers and their, and their bottom lines and bringing in investment. Um, and so there's, there's got to be pressure placed um, and accountability. Um, and that will only come when, um, you know, businesses come together, tourism industry comes together and the consumer puts pressure as well and saying, well, you're not offering me what I want and I'm going to this other place, you know? Yeah. Um, or and, your beaches are so decimated from trash or pollution that like- Or, exactly, as we see more and more destruction, because as we know, that's definitely coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's going to get- worse and worse and you know as areas like Lake Tahoe unfortunately in Germany the richer corners of the world get hit you know I feel like that that's going to continue as well and then maybe more eyes will be open then and they'll be like oh my god it's in our backyard you know it's not in some remote poor country that no one cares about you know and and you know so um, I think that is it's taken a lot longer than it should have, but I think that um, there's definitely a growing sense of, I want a better lifestyle, you know, um, life is short. Um, I want to uh, work remotely. I want to, um, you know, spend more time with my family if I can, you know, I want to do those yeah. things that I never did, you know, yeah. before COVID. And, and so it, all of that um, shift in societal consciousness, um, the Black Lives Matter, um, protests that we saw at, at a level that never seen before, we've never seen before. It's just the beginning, I think. I hope, I was just going to say, let's hope that it's just the beginning, you know? I mean, it's, there's yeah. a lot of change that needs to happen still on that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when we think about it, like, I'll, so I know you spent a lot of time, I mean, you, you pivoted your career through, you know, sun and stilettos is your, your handle for your travel. <laughs> yeah, I can't get rid know. of that ever. Everyone knows right? sun and stilettos. I love it. I mean, Sun and Stilettos is so perfect, but you went down to Jamaica and then started a company, you know, in the Caribbean. I mean, I think that's an interesting destination. We have so many destinations, but like, let's just use the Caribbean. I mean, it is a okay. Sun Stilettos kind of place, but like, what, <laughs> what are the activities in conjunction with this growing awareness that are happening? I mean, what are we seeing in terms of like shifts in that? And what do we see coming down the pipeline that are activities that might be different than we saw either pre-COVID or, yeah. or, or just in the hit, in history? Actually, uh, Lisa, it's, it's, it's so interesting because those kinds of different kind of greener social activities, social sustainable tourism activities uh, were happening. Um, and there was a push beginning um, in the Caribbean and the tourism industry before COVID, just before COVID. Um, in fact, just uh, six months prior, I had attended a sustainable tourism conference in St. Vincent, um, bringing together all of all, all of the folks who care about this sort of thing around the Caribbean, all the experts, and um, and then I myself, as you said, when I went to Jamaica, um, I realized that there was this whole other side to, to the way that you could experience the region, and that no one was either um, marketing properly or talking about or even um, posting anywhere. Um, you know, it was always the, the the image of the Caribbean that's sort of a mass. Uh, tourism, all inclusives and all of that, right? So I realized also um, by staying there long term and being a digital nomad, 
I, I began to understand the economics of tourism and and the disparities, you know, of, of tourism as far as who benefits from all of this money that's being spent coming to the Caribbean. And there's um, and a lot of money. <laughs> and the leakage is, is insane. And leakage is, is basically something like over 80% of the money that, say, a U.S. traveler pays for a packaged trip to the Caribbean goes primarily to multinationals and doesn't even run through the local economy. I mean, you know, and, 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 and the argument is always, well, you know, it provides jobs, you know, hundreds of, of, of people, high, you know, hired per resort and whatnot, but what kind of jobs, you know, and, and what are they getting paid, you know, and what's right. the conditions? That, what are the conditions? And no one, no one talks about that. But to go back to your original question of, of, you know, the types of activities, there were so many incredible activities I discovered over, over the 10 years that I specialized in, in as a travel writer um, on the Caribbean, everywhere from Belize to Jamaica and so on. And, and those are things like, um, you know, visiting a, a, a permaculture organic farm where you get to, you know, um, hike and learn about the ecosystem of the island, um, growing your own food, uh, what they grow there and why it's important. Um, you know, you have a, a, a climate action school in St. Vincent that you can visit as well, um, that give you a one-on-one -on, -one on, you know, sustainable living, you know, in the islands and also educate locals as well as visitors. Um, and you tour all of their facilities, you know, their use of biogas. And what is it? What does that even mean? Amazing. And then they take you hiking to nearby waterfalls and you visit a community um, that leads their own tours and tells you about the Afro-Caribbean history of that island. Um, there were a lot of just incredible, still incredible experiences before COVID hit. Unfortunately, not many people knew about it. Now there's, I'm seeing this sudden interest um, in businesses developing that kind of that, that, that kind of stuff and also food related experiences. Food related, you know? right? Food, oh, food huge, huge. easiest access yeah. point, right? And, yes. is, and we've all become, not all, many of us have become so much more conscious of what we consume in terms yeah. of the food and beverages. And it's, of course, the closest tie besides language to a culture. Exactly. So exactly. if you can make that bridge, it feels like such an, I'm so glad we got here because to me, that seems like the, the, <laughs> the most obvious entry point for sustainable tourism or any kind of tourism to have a true authentic experience. Absolutely. And as we think about wrapping up, I mean, one of the things, and I look ahead to, you know, the holidays, Thanksgiving this week, you know, Christmas coming after, then 2022, and hopefully some, as one of my guests recently, you know, the former infectious disease head for the CDC said, you know, we're, we're moving towards the, an endemic and not a pandemic, you know, and of course, vaccine equity will have something to do with that, but we will be able to start traveling again in a very major way if that is what we choose. How do we engage with, I want to say indigenous populations, but also local populations. They are two not necessarily exactly equal things. What is the role, and I want to just ask it, like of getting to know indigenous populations when we're traveling without, again, having a negative impact on, on wherever they live, where, whatever the culture is. And, and really, you know, it's the Anthony Bourdain model of like elevating this, you know, this, the, the special, the specialness and the uniqueness of yeah. the community, no matter how far off the beaten path. I'll tell you what, how I approach the, these things. Um, I think that first and foremost, we need to remember that these are places that people live in They're, It's their home. Um, and we need to think of it as how would I want somebody to come to my home and, and act 
Um, second, I think that when you travel to a place, really you, you give deference to, to the people and to the environment of that place. So in other words, you know, you don't ask yourself, you know, how can I do better? It's, it's go to this purse, you know, find the, um, as you said, find say the, the, the specific indigenous culture that you want to experience and see how they suggest that you um, experience their culture. How do you, how do they suggest that you sign up for tours? Um, and you know, go with what they say because they live there and 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 it's their home. And and just acknowledge that. And also, I, I want to say that there's a lot of sort of saviorism mentality um, that is projected very often from travelers from places like the U.S. and Europe. And and they're like, well, I, I want to go there because you know they need my tourism dollars, or you know, I, I can help elevate them. You know, as you said, but um, they're already elevated. You know that. It, it, we need to start changing our mindset and just think of, yes, tourism dollars influence and matter for economic growth for these communities, but at the same time, it's not a handout. Yeah. We're getting an exchange mm. for something that is extremely valuable, even if you don't see it in dollars. It, it's, it's finite. It's something that is passed on from generation to generation and that we are having a privilege to experience. Um, and so it, it, it's an equal exchange and we're on equal footing you know and so I, I think that that sort of mentality really needs to, to to grow more and we just need to change our language and our and our perception of others going so forward i um i really can't imagine frankly a better summary of the future of tourism <laughs> which, <laughs> which, is, which is really i'm like i'm like could you have wrapped that in a nicer bow um but I agree, Lily, and, I, and I'm so grateful for you joining us and sharing your passion and your expertise on the future of tourism. I mean, it really is about the human experience and, and, and sharing and respecting that, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and as we come out of this very trying time and the world reopens, whether we can hold on to the lessons we've learned and move you know, towards a much more sustainable, respectful travel and tourism in the future is really would be my hope. And it sounds like, you know, that's what you're seeing uh, as movement. I hope so. I hope so. I know that there's, there's, you know, there are some viewpoints that say, well, that's, it's very, you know, it's, it's kind of not getting there because tourism at its very heart is an extractive kind of industry. And, um, but I think that we can counter that. And I think that we should counter that, you know, and change, we can change we can change. Well, thank you for joining us thank on this week's so Thanksgiving week episode. Yes, excited to see what's going to happen. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's really, truly a privilege to be here. Thank you. Um, thanks, Lily. And for everyone listening, have a very happy Thanksgiving and make sure that you catch up on the first 50 episodes and one year of Future of XYZ. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, it's been a privilege and an honor to speak with people like Lily and share their expertise with all of you. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube, listen wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a five-star review and follow on Instagram at Future of XYZ. We will see you after Thanksgiving uh, in America and the week after back on our normal Thursday scheduling and uh, have a very happy one. Thanks again, Lily. Thank you, Lisa. I just want to add everyone also go to skip.com for more on the business of travel. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.